Isaiah chapter 2, let's just read some verses from that. Um, the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, or, or we could say, I believe we could say concerning Scotland, because we're here about Scotland this morning, Scotland the land of destiny, and of course the rest of the UK and the nations, but here we are in the land of destiny, amen, here we are in Glasgow, the dear green place, and of course I'll share with some of the folks back there that I come, I was born in Edinburgh, I'm from Edinburgh, amen, so um, I'm a missionary, amen, <laughs> a missionary voice in the wilderness, praise God, I'm going to The word that Isaiah saw, and it shall come to pass in the last days, are we in the last days folks, amen, or the latter days, as the New King James would say, um, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. And that's what I want to speak about today, the mountain of the Lord's house. We've got a lot to unpack this morning, and I'm hoping I get the chance to do it all in the time that we have. If not, we'll carry on, because this is such an important message. I really want to get the, the kernel of it, because really that the Lord has put this uh, on my heart to share this morning. It's quite a deep message, okay? And I'm not taking poetic license, I'm taking prophetic license. You know, God speaks to nations, and He speaks through His Word. It's, it's not in the Word, we don't want it. But sometimes God can take a Word from His Word and apply it to a situation, apply it to a circumstance, apply it to a particular time or season. Why? Because God's Word is eternal. And His Word will always have an ultimate fulfillment, but sometimes His Word can be applicable at different times. And so you'll find that men of, of old that have just sang about will apply the Word in their generation. And that's what we're going to do today. So allow me some prophetic license, because we're going to really look at this with Scotland in mind. And it says, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Now I read, I read, listen, I read a guy this week, a Facebook uh, friend of mine, a preacher, a guy I really admire, really respect, love him, love his message, powerful message, I quote him a lot. But he's saying this week, when you preach, expect to be hated. Amen? So, here's the thing. If you're in faith that your message about Jesus is going to be hated, that's what you're going to get. But, you see, but we're in the last days. People that, people listen, we just read, it shall come to pass. Let me just check my Bible's right. It shall come to pass in the last days. It hasn't changed. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. So if, if they're flowing, listen, when you go to watch your football team, you don't go because you hate your football team. When you go to the concert of your favourite singer or your favourite band, 
You don't go and stand them subway get tickets. Amen. We can have two visions of the last days, which is the pessimistic one, the one where, oh, everything's going to fall away, oh my goodness me, or we can have God's vision, the Bible vision, the Word of God vision. And it's, it, we just said, some of you agree, we're in the last days. So if we're in the last days, what are we expecting in the last days? Are we expecting the gathering? The gathering of the people. Which again, Isaiah 60, we should have started from there, sorry Lord. Because that's our basis. Your sons and daughters shall gather together to you. Are we expecting Isaiah 60? Where it all flows, the forces of the nations. Which means wealth, people, everything. In other words, everything flows towards God's people, towards the ecclesia, towards the kingdom, towards you and I as the body of Christ, or are we expecting, we don't want our nation. Whatever you say is what you're going to walk in. Now I believe there's a whole bunch of people out there, they're not going to see it because they're seeing something different to what God's word says. And, and, and I've said this and I've said it again, there's a whole bunch of people have made a reputation of praying for revival, of pleading for revival, household names. But the revival will pass them by because they have this other thing going on um, that they, they, they're not expecting to walk in it. I know folks that prayed for revival all their lives and they're not with us anymore. They never saw it. But they were also saying something else. Oh, the great falling of me. Oh, they, you know, you say to people, um, we, we, we were out the other day um, sharing the gospel. And if you're out there sharing the gospel, what's your expectation? Because if you're expecting, you know, there's not really much point to this. And there isn't. Amen. That's why the burden for souls is no longer in, I would say, 90 plus percent of the church. That burden, we spoke about it before, we talk about old times in the church where you, where you had that burden for souls. It would drive you out into tents. It would drive you out into the streets. It would drive you out to have revival, evangelistic means. But now it's just settling for the wee crowd that we've got. And that's most of the church. You know, they could have said in the upper room, by the way, 120 people, quite committed, filled with the Spirit, tithers. Wow, we've got a church here. We've, we've got something going here. But God said, down in that street, share the message, and all of a sudden 3,000 joined the church. And then daily, and then big clubs coming in. Why? Because that's God's heart. is isn't just that he looked down and said, Oh, you're so precious. I'm just happy with you, wee bunch. Amen? That saved a wretch like me. So, you know, if you're the biggest wretch there is, then there's a whole bunch of nicer people out there. Amen? You understand? God's heart is for the multitudes. When Jesus saw the multitudes, it says he was moved with compassion. 
It didn't say he was moved with compassion when there was just a wee crowd. But it does say when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And we need to start seeing the multitudes, folks. We need to start seeing them in here and with the eyes of our faith. And if we don't, if we don't see them with that, we'll never see them with these eyes. So, praise the Lord. Uh, but it says, all nations shall flow, and many people, some people, a wee crowd, scattering, many people, many people, folks, yet many people, multitudes, and the very first thing God showed me as a teenager, before I was saved, I was having visions of this. And you know, he just keeps reminding me of this. I can see it as clear as I saw it in my bedroom when I was a teenager. All those years ago. I know it doesn't seem that it's that long. Amen. It's a wee step for a hint. But folks, I could see it as clearly as I saw it 40 something years ago. Multitudes. 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 I saw them, the multitudes. I saw the day we are living in right now, all those years ago. I saw what would happen to this nation back then. And all I saw was multitudes. Multitudes coming in. Because folks, if we don't have that vision of multitudes, let me ask you this. To hold the fort for I am coming? To get my bags packed waiting for some rapture? Folks, we need to be people who believe in God for that great harvest. Amen. And I, and, and I, I vow before the Lord today that I'll never talk to God in my heart or believe in God until I see it. And what will happen when I see it, I'll believe for more. Amen? Many people shall go out, shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Folks, these folks are marching to Zion. Amen. You know, there's not a lot of evangelism mentioned here. Is there? Because they're saying, let's have, let us go up. Let, let's, get, let, let's go to church on Sunday. Let's go to the ecclesia. Let's go to all the holy rollers we used to laugh at. Because there's something going on in that building. There's something going on with those. You see it when they come out the car, but there's a glow on them. And there's something happening in that building. You know, I believe. Where I saw fire coming out of that building last week. There's something happening in there. And they're always so happy. Amen. You know, most Christians today. I'm happy. <laughs> do, do, do you want to become a Christian like me and be as happy as me? Amen. Oh, thanks. Amen. I'd rather go to the football. I'd rather go to being not. So when you come in, if you're happy and you know it, tell your friends. Even if you feel horrible, walk in. Amen. It's so important, and it's not phony. Because when it says rejoice, do you remember? I remember the young Christian used to get told to rejoice. You don't hear that word now, do you? But, but you understood what they meant was, make yourself joyful. 
Okay, nobody else is responsible for making you joyful except you. Amen? Amen. Praise Amen. Lord. Amen? So rejoice means joy up yourself. Amen? Remind yourselves of what's going on in your life in the inner man. Because we've just already said, out there it sucks, to use that phrase. It's horrible. It's, a, it's darkness we prayed about. But folks, what's going on in the inner man is what's important. And if you rejoice, the, what's in the inner man will come out into the outer world. And, and that's how Christians ought to live. Magnetise yourselves with joy. Amen? So don't go, Do you know the Lord? Amen? Do you know the joy that comes from being a believer? Am I right? How many people have had that? <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. So, I'm already getting off of question. The Mount of the Lord. The mountain of the Lord. That's what I want you to think about today. And if it carries on next week, well, praise God. But I need to get some stuff across today, which is vital. And again, the prophetic ramifications of this message for Scotland are huge. Now I've taught this, I've taught this in here, I've taught it for, for many years, and, um, but, but I just really felt the Lord saying about it today. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 25, quite a bit in Isaiah today. Isaiah 25, let's look at something. I want us to look at some scriptures about the Mount of the Lord and see what God is saying to us in Scotland in 2022. Okay, we know the Mount of the Lord is a metaphor. It's not really a metaphor, it's just something to understand. The mountain of the Lord, Mount Zion, you're come unto Mount Zion. An innumerable company of angels and, and the cloud of witnesses. And so we're not come to Mount Sinai. Okay, we're not come to the old covenant mount, we've come to Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is many things. It's a, it's a catch-all phrase in many ways, Zion, for the people of God. Um, there's a literal Mount Zion that was in Jerusalem, um, at the fortress of David, that was once where the Je- he defeated the Jebusites to get it. And Mount Zion became a, a metaphor, a, a, a means of describing the perfect realm of God, both in heaven and in earth. Amen. We are an outpost of Zion here. We are Zion in the earth today. Amen? So, let's rejoice in that. So much the Bible has to say about Zion. But let's read Isaiah chapter 25. O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things, thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made of a city a heap, of a defence city a ruin, a palace of strangers to... Be no city, it shall never be built. In other words, God is in control of cities. Amen? Glasgow's hands are not in the hands of... Glasgow's not in the hands of the devil, should I say. Glasgow is in the hands of a horse. And I remember that vision I had that night in Victory Christian Centre, the prayer meeting, we used to have great prayer meetings there. Um, and I saw very clearly 
above where we were praying, on the top of the building, two angels. And an angel stood right at the top of Victory Christian Centre, and there was a banner, he had a, a, a scroll-like banner, and the other angel took it, and the, unfur- the other angel flew with it, and unfurled it, and it went all the way across to Glasgow, from Govan, and it said on the banner, property of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Glasgow belongs to Jesus and to Jesus' people. It doesn't belong to the devil. It doesn't belong to the drug lords. It doesn't belong to the wicked uh, politicians. It doesn't belong to the businessmen. It belongs to Jesus and it belongs to us. So we say right now, let Glasgow flourish by the preaching of his word and the praising of his name. Because it can't prosper any other way. So anyway, um, let's just read. Uh, Let's just get into where we need to go. Verse 6. In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people. Some people, a remnant, what a crowd. All people, multitudes, nations, all people, the people of the earth, the people of Scotland, the people of Britain, the people of the British Isles, the people of Europe, the people of the earth, all people in this mountain shall the Lord make a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines in the lees well refined. Folks, this is, this is the message for today, given what I just said, or the people have been talking about, what you were talking about at the table back there, shortage, famine, rising prices. Now that's King James language. Let's, let's read it some of the other. The NIV says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. The best of gear, we would say. Amen. We don't, we're not in survival mode. We're not going to be rummaging through bins. Okay? As, as God's people, we're going to be eating the best. We're going to be partaking of the best. And let me just say this to you. It ain't just for us. It'll be given to us, but it'll be given to us to feed the folks out there. Amen. You, I said this last week. I, I don't like this thing. Oh, I don't like food banks. It's terrible with food banks. I praise God we have food banks because what it means is we've got a surplus. And out of that surplus, people can get fed, people that can't fend for themselves. Now, I know there's a bunch of folk out there and oh, they're the poor. I know they've got 60 inch plasma tellies. I know they've got designer gear that you and I don't have, but they're poor. Amen. So there's a false poverty, but there's a real poverty. And the real poverty, folks, is if you don't have Jesus in your life, you might have 10 billion in the bank, you've got nothing. Amen. That's poverty, not knowing Jesus. But folks, if you can bring them in with a tin of beans and a, and a feed and a cup of coffee or whatever it is, then great, because that's when you give them the true wealth. Poverty. Spirit of poverty. It's not just lack of money. Okay? It can be poor health. It can be, you just can't uh, keep relationships going. Poverty is all around us. And you know, we spoke about these streets around here. 
It used to be rougher tenements, you know, whatever. And I was speaking about where I uh, came from in Edinburgh. Really, really rough. Like I said, it makes Gam Gam look like Bale's Den. And it's not that now because all those buildings were knocked down. A lot of them have. And they're all nice buildings now. But folks, you can take poor folks out of decrepit old buildings and put them back in the shiny new ones if they're poor. They're still poor. They're just in a different environment. This nation is poor because there's a famine of the Word of God. This nation is poor because folks don't know Jesus and more and more of them are being born and, you know, they don't know anything about Jesus. They think Jesus plays for Arsenal. Amen? In this mountain. What mountain? The mountain of the Lord. And we are the mountain of the Lord. We are the Zion that he's talking about here. So, we, you know, let me just say this to you. Don't like the, the prosperity message. But you better start prospering because God has a purpose for you prospering. And it's not just so you can have a nice big fancy house and drive nice cars and wear fine clothes. God doesn't mind you doing that. But it's for others. What happened in the early church? The folks that had plenty looked around, they looked across and said, there's folks over there don't have anything. We need to sell our surplus so that they can be raised to the same parity and level that we are at. We're, not, we're just not having poor folks in the church that can't feed their kids and come and give their food. Or are under the oppressor. Uh, uh, you know, debt companies. They, they didn't have that in the early church. They said the folks that don't have, and they came and laid the money at the apostles' feet. Didn't they? And they didn't stick it in the back. They just thought, I made a profit on that land I bought. Put it in the investment. No, they invested in their brothers and sisters. They invested in the kingdom. They invested in the work of God. They invested in the thing that they knew was eternal, not the temporal, fleeting, you know, stock market or whatever. But here's where I want to go. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death and victory, the Lord will wipe away tears. Now, I've got a lot of notes here, and I'm not going to get into them because it's, it's you know, it's a bit complicated. And whilst we're going deep today, I don't want to go that deep that this becomes, you know, a, a, a theology lesson. But I've got all the Hebrew for all the different words used here. But to summarise, when it says the face of the covering and the veil that is spread, um, the covering it means a veil. Okay, the word covering. The word veil is the Hebrew word maseka, and it comes from uh, a root word nasak. And to just summarise it all up so that you understand. What he's saying here is this. There's something over all people on the earth. 
There's something, there's a veil across the nation. There's a veil. That's why people are not, that's why people are not queuing to come in this door today. Because there's a veil over. They don't see it. And we spoke about the Lewis revival, we spoke about uh, uh, Paddy McLean, the guy I knew, who was not in the meetings, didn't want to go to the meetings. He's, he's away get drunk for the revival tonight. Amen? So he's not in the meetings coming under conviction. He's walked stuck along the road. <coughs> Fear of God happened. Why? Because praying folks were in the meetings. <coughs> Sober. Crying out to God for mercy. What happened? What happened to him? What happened to all those folks? What happens when, to you? What happens to people who get saved? The veil comes off. The blindness disappears. And you suddenly see yourself facing a lost eternity. You suddenly see yourself facing eternity without God. You see the sorrowful state of you without Jesus. You see the wretch that is you. Amen? I saw the wretch that... I, I didn't need... Listen, I didn't need folk to tell me I was a wretch. Amen? I had been wretched down your teeth. But some folks don't see that. They don't see the wretched condition. They don't see the wretchedness. They don't see the darkness that's in their hearts. They just think, well, you know, I do my own thing, by the way. I've sought you, man. Through there, in my vestry, there's a wee path that runs past outside the, the wall. And we hear them looking for the computers. They've got to stab him. I'm having him. Oh, that kind of thought. Because... They don't, they have a veil. See, mankind has a veil. That's why we don't see the hearts. Now, in times past, it's maybe taking good preaching, anointed preaching, a move of the Holy Ghost, which is what we're believing for, whatever it takes, that, that veil gets lifted, that veil gets destroyed, and people shame. Right now, it's been happening to individuals, and there's been periods, maybe even, you know, who was saying is 80 years safe. Some of us are, you know, long in the tooth that way. And we've seen things. We've maybe seen meetings, campaigns, crusades, Louis Palau, Billy Gray, all these things. We've seen it happening, and that veil gets lifted. 1955. The mid-century meteor came. And Billy Graham, Alec Gillis told me this, Billy Graham said that in that 1955 meeting in Glasgow, he came the closest he ever did to an outbreak of what he would call a genuine Holy Ghost revival. And multitudes multi, uh, get saved. Amen. Amen. And, and we need that again. We don't, we, but we don't just need it as a special event. We need that as a minute by minute, day by day, Week by week, month by month, just, you want, to, you want to become a Christian, go to Glasgow, if you just dip your foot over the border, you'll be saved. Amen? If you go to that church, you won't come out the way you went in, you'll come out a believer. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, and any demons, any demons, they're not going to get into that meeting with you. Amen? I, 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 I know a guy... And 
he has this. Uh, I, I remember a lot of people with sexual spirits would come to him, and people would say to him, um, "How do you handle? How do you handle with the sort of a, the awkwardness?" And he says, "How do you tell people that they're living in sin?" That, that, you know, that they'll get sexual stuff going on. Because you know, you've got to be careful you don't offend people. He says, I never mentioned it. I never mentioned it. And he says, why not? And he says, when they come near me, they come screaming out. When they come through the door into our meeting, you know, even wicked, horrible dep- depravity, they even come screaming out. I wouldn't use that, folks. But you're not spending hours and hours casting doubles out because you don't have to. Because the fear of God will do that. The fear of God, we talk a lot about that in here. And the fear of God is really what happens when the real comes So we're talking about the moving the veil. Where will the veil? In this mountain, it says, the veil will be removed. In this mountain. In the gathering, in our church on Sunday morning, in your church on Sunday morning, Mount Zion, where the people of God assemble, where where the saints are, where the angels of God are, where the presence of God is, where the Holy Spirit and fire is present in the meeting. And we need to believe for this paradigm, not the one we've got just now, hold the fort for I'm coming, as long as we've got 20 meetings, we're all right. Because they're all tithers, and that pays pastor's salary, and pays all the bills. Folks, let's, let's stop settling until we see in the mount of the Lord that the veil is destroyed. Now, here's where I'm going to go. And, uh, what does it say? Let's just very quickly look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've got a bit of time left, so we're all right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've only got an hour and a half to go. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 4, we, know, we, we all know this verse very well. But let's look at it. Because you say, well, that's old covenant, that's good. You know, you, you know your Isaiah. But what does it say in the New Testament? Some people just won't believe it until they read something in the New Testament. Amen? Well, that's okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, If our gospel be hid, that's verse 3, it is hid to them that are lost. Well, you know. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And that ties in with Isaiah 6. Arise, shine, the lights come, the glory of God is risen upon you. His glory shall be seen. You, you know why the folks out there didn't rush in behind you this morning? Because they didn't see the glory that's in you and on you. That's, that's not condem- condemning you. They're blind to it. You know why you don't look at that church, in, this church, sorry, and say, you need to get there on Sunday morning before anybody else? Because you don't see the glory. And the reason you don't see the glory is not because we are, we are weak, poor, whatever Christians. The reason they don't see the glory is the God of this world has blinded them. 
And that, that ought to lead us into prayer. Amen? Uh, that God would so turn up the glory in us, upon us, and so on, that they can't fail to see it. And that God would remove the veil. Because it just says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be above us, and they'll all want to come. And it says, in that, mount, in that mountain, the veil will be removed. And let me just say this to you. Uh, I didn't say it, and I'll say it now. The, the words, the Hebrew words there that's used when it speaks about that veil, that covering, is the same words used when it speaks about the molten calf in Exodus. Because it's not just some kind of blindness or disinterest. There is a spiritual blinding going on that's connected to idolatry. Because let me tell you something right now. Every single person on this street is a worshipper. And every human being you'll ever meet is a worshipper. And the reason they don't worship Jesus is because they're worshipping something else and they're blind to the one they should be worshipping. And it might be, we were out yesterday and I don't know how many houses we saw was Celtic, Celtic Park, whatever. Celtic Rangers, whatever. They're all idols. Or another idol is my, my new car, my, my shiny new car. Or, or whatever, your job or your spouse, or your house, or something. But if you are not worshipping Jesus, you're worshipping somebody or something. So that veil is not that... You see, we know that Satan, we know that Lucifer, was a worship leader. Amen? So, he's still using the same idea in a perverted way to get folks to worship. He doesn't get them to worship Jesus. He doesn't get them to worship Father. He doesn't worship, get them to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He gets them to worship anything but that, including their own selves or something else, but because he feeds on worship that isn't where worship should be. It's his job to lead worship. That's what he was created for and that's what he's good at. So he uses it in a way now because he doesn't want worship going to God. And here's something else. Because the Bible says he's the anointed cherub that covers, covers what? Covers the stone. Now, we're all aware of stealth technology, aren't we? We're all aware of what we would call, you know, this is something invisible. If you can make something invisible, then nobody knows it's there. Amen? Why? Because you people are blind to what's in There could be invisible men sitting in all these seats. If the technology exists. Yeah? You, you, if, you, if you had you know, invisible spray or whatever, you could walk into anywhere you want. And you've seen the, the film, you're an invisible man. Because invisibility is and it, it can be used for security. Uh, is it Star Trek? Where they can, they can cloak the ship so people can't see it. Amen. That was Satan's job. He was there to be the anointed cherub that covers 
And I believe that was stealth technology that he could, he could hide God's throne. He could protect God's throne. He's using the same skill set now to hide God, but hide it from the people. Does that make sense? He's, he's blinding the minds of unbelievers so that they don't get up in the morning and go, why am I here? What's the purpose? Who created me? Oh, they get up in the morning and go, where's my next fix? Oh, everything I've got to do, I need to do this, I need to go to the bushes, I need to Whatever it is. Because he's blind. He's still blinding. He's still covering the throne of God so that people don't see it. If you and I saw the throne room right now, we'd be on our faces. If people out there, like, like Paddy McClay, he's walking along the road, oblivious, blinded, until someone, boom, prays, bang, all of a sudden he sees it. And hands on his face. Like you and I, maybe it was a dramatic call. Paul looks up in his eye. Uh oh, I'm in trouble. Amen. Blinded. But in a different way. Amen. Because he, he, he saw. Lord. Why is that you persecuting me? When you see it, whether it's a dramatic Damascus road type thing, or whether it's just a gentle movement in your heart, whatever, you see it. Because you're no longer blinded. Now, where's this all connected from? Yadro and Pope have a thing to this morning. I want to just finish this off just to show you that. Okay. The mountain of the Lord is Mount Zion. What I want you to see here is just very quick to look at this. Mount Zion is a disputed territory. Mount Zion is not just, oh well, you know, it's disputed territory. It has been since the fall of history. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 14. And we'll see it. You know that it was, it's all about the mountain. It was all about the mountain for Lucifer. Okay, Isaiah chapter 14. Now, let's just see this very quickly. But I, do, I, do, I want to finish this. So, Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weak in the nations? But thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Okay, I'm liking the look of what my creator has, I, I think I'll, I'll just swap places. Amen. But look what he says. I will sit also upon the mountains of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Knock it, I wouldn't argue with him. He believed that Lucifer was 
at that point, Jesus' personal angel. You know, the, the personal assigned angel to Jesus. So, an angel, if you look then with Jesus, he said to himself, ah, look at this, I'm special. Could sit up there. But notice where he said it. I will sit. I will sit upon Zion. I'll sit upon Zion. I'll sit upon the mount of the ascent. I'll be the one that's in trouble at all. In the sides of the north. Now, it says in Psalm 48, uh, Great is the Lord, great with the praise in the city of the Lord, the mount of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the Lord is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. Now, some people think, oh, he's talking about Mount Zion with David. Listen, Mount Zion, there are three places in Jerusalem that people say Mount Zion was situated. They actually moved about in different But none of them were in the north. And Jerusalem is not in the north. Because the sides of the north means the far north. So some scholars have said that, that it wasn't talking about Mount Zion in Jerusalem. There's a, there's a Mount Zion that's further north than Jerusalem. Okay? If you're talking about the earthly Mount Zion. But of course we know this is the heavenly Mount Zion. But there are people who believe that there is also a physical Mount Zion. And that's where we're going to have a bit of prophetic life. Okay. Uh, but, but Lucifer says I'm going to be on, and then in Ezekiel chapter let's just look at this quickly Ezekiel 28 and then we'll get into this very quickly we'll close with what I believe the Lord wants to show us today about Scotland the land of destiny Amen um, I believe that God has a message for us here in Scotland Ezekiel 28 verse 11 says this I'll Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre. And we know that this refers to Satan. It's not just a physical king. Beyond that, it goes to Satan. We know that, and that's how it's interpreted. And say unto him, Thus said the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sun, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and so on. And then it says, watch this, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. This is Lucifer. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast upon the holy mountain. The holy mountain. See, let me just say this. Before Lucifer fell, he was even on the holy mountain. And it was the holy mountains that was the disputed territory. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be talked of. I'm going to be talked. I'm going to be boss. I'm going to be lost. I'm going to sit upon this mountain over everything else. And a lot of scholars speculate: was it when God created the human race, and God wanted fellowship with Adam and with humanity, and Satan says, "I'm all this wonderfulness." But I don't have that intimate relationship with God that this Adam guy has. Amen? 
So I'm going to sit on top of Adam. I'm going to be above Adam. And what, what did we read earlier? The mountain of the Lord's house shall be above all the other mountains. And mountains, of course, is a metaphor for kingdoms and empires. So the mountain of Zion is going to be above the British Empire, above the United States, above all the other places, Europe, EU, whatever you call it, or seven mountains of culture. But Satan back then, or Lucifer, says, I'm going to be above it all. So this is disputed territory. Amen? The mountain of Zion, the mountain of his holiness, and Satan doesn't want all these folks out here seeing the mountain of his holiness. He doesn't want the people of Scotland seeing that there's a holy mountain and we can come to it. Mount Zion in the far north. Now I know when I'm going to say this, it's talking about the heavenly Mount Zion. It's talking about, uh, you know, where God sits, the throne room of God, the realm of heaven, the realm of the glory. I, I know all that. But I'm going to get a little bit of prophetic because there is a mountain in Scotland that many people believe to be a holy mountain, a sacred mountain. And they call it Mount Zion in the far north. Okay, and the Bible actually, I believe, refers to it. I don't know if we'll look at that today. But there's a mountain. And, and I'll, write the, I'll write the name of it up for you. Bible and it's just a prophetic look at this folks this is not dogmatic theology this is an interpretation I'm simply saying that there can be many levels of or layers of interpretation I know you guys can see it but it's Shehali okay. everybody knows Shehali Mount Shehali now there's a, lot of, there's a lot of scholarship, a lot of different things. Because Shahali is in the far north to us. It's actually the exact centre of Scotland. What does it say in this mountain shall the veil be removed? The covenant that's over all season, yeah? I'm going to tell you some things very quickly because we've got a lot to say But there are, I'm told, we've been told in very good authority, there are annual rituals performed on Mount Shehalion that perpetuate the veil that covers all the nations. Whether you call it a cultist, whatever you want to call it. We know that they have. Okay? And we know that the people that do this were behind what we call the Scottish Enlightenment, what we call the Enlightenment period. In other words, that rational, so-called Enlightenment that basically resulted in the secular society we have today where people place science above God, where people place reason above faith, where, we, where people mock and stop you because you're faith. Because we live in a world of reason and logic and science and so on. Yeah, follow the science. Amen? Follow the science, you don't follow Jesus. So, across the nations, not just in Scotland, the Western world, that message 
I mean, listen, we could spend hours, and maybe we'll look at that in, in, in more detail. But that thinking that all around us today, there is no God, uh, reason, logic, yeah? That doctor, uh, not, not, not Dr. Spock, Mr. Spock of Star Trek. Amen? Everything is reason, everything is logic, there's no room for faith, there's no room for believing, there's no, there's no such thing as miracles, there's no such thing as God moving, because there's no God. That's, what, that's, that's their logic. That all came. That's the veil. Isn't it? Out there they're saying, Jesus, you believe in all that stuff to you? You must be mental. There is no atheism, evolution, all of that stuff. It had to come from somewhere, didn't it? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the people, and I won't get to that in great detail this night, but we'll think, that through this angle, ritual up here. Okay? Now, just very quickly, where I'll show you. That word in the middle there, that I've highlighted, killed, shield. That word refers to it means veil or veiled one. It's known as the Kylie, which is a goddess spirit that is sovereign spirit of God and is also another nation. Okay, goddess worship. And she's known as the Kylie which is the veil, but that's, that's what that means. Okay? And she casts a veil. Okay? What does it say in Isaiah 25? In this mountain shall the veil be removed. Amen? So what happens when you remove, this is a Gaelic word here, and it's similar in Irish Gaelic to Scots Gaelic. This word, Kyle, when you remove that, take it away, and you remove the veil, you remove the veil word, look what's left. So there's a prophetic message here for us in Scotland, because this, this, this Kyle, okay, it's known by many different names, is worshipped all over Europe. You could even say it is the equivalent of the spirit of Europa. Goddess spirit, that means, yeah? Which comes in different forms, but the word means the veiled one. So here in Scotland we have a mountain in the far north called Shehalion, and that's where this spirit is supposed to, to be and to reign from, and other mountains, but certainly Shehalion because the name is in there. And don't tell me we don't have goddess worship in Britain today. Or Scotland today. Amen. Look at the agenda, look at the culture. Look at the feminization of our children, our boys. Oh, you can hear scripts too. Amen. Goddess worship, folks. The same thing that destroyed ancient civilizations. That destroyed ancient Israel. We spoke about Solomon. What was Solomon's problem? 
She married too many women. One woman is enough to handle, correct? One woman is enough trouble. But Solomon had way too many. And what did it say? They pulled his heart away from the Lord to worship foreign gods. And who were they worshipping? The goddesses and the Baals and the Moloch. Amen. So that fixation with, if you like, goddess, feminine and so on. That's all around us today. But the Bible says when you take away the, in the Mount of Zion, when you remove the veil. What's left if you remove the veil? Mount Zion. And what's going to happen when you take away the veil, the blindness, the, the cover, the thing? Oh, oh. oh my God. Literally. I see it. Why did I not see it before? I need to get myself down to that church and listen to that great preacher Paul McMurdo. <laughs> I need his message in my life. Amen. I need that. I need those Holy Ghost folks run about me now. Because they have something I haven't had. It's like the scales fell in my eyes. You know, I believe Mount Shahalian is there as a prophetic witness to which we've had well, uh, I've been up twice Holy Ghost expeditions up there to pray and plant stuff and do all that charismatic stuff. Just last year they were up to pray and decree from them. Because when God shows you stuff like this, it's not to say, well, that's Shahalian, if what is mentioned here. I just believe that, that, that that's one application you can understand. Because as I said, but it speaks about the mount and the far side of the north side. It's really talking about the heavenly side. But thank God that here in, in Elizabeth, and I don't know if we'll look at another thing, the inhabitant. Because, here's an interesting thing, it tells you this in the Bible. The very first place that the ark was ever measured, ever, was in the Shahalmi. I just want to finish with it. The mountain of the Lord is disputed to me. Okay? Satan still wants to be seated on top of the mountain of the Lord. Now he even said, well, he knows he's got no chance. But it doesn't stop him doing what he, what, what he was created to do, which was to engender worship. He just not towards the Lord. And to cover, to to protect, to 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 it actually says, I think it mentions his wings, so that he covers the throne of God as a protector. But he's not protecting the throne of God now. What he's doing is denying people out there the ability to see the reality of the throne of the Lord, of the mountain of the Lord. Thank God, in the last days, something's going to happen. But that blindness, that veil, that covering, that I see it will be removed. And it says, Man, all the nations, let's go. Come on. You know what's happening down there, don't you? Spiritual reality. People are encountering God. There's something real about that we church at the bottom of the hill. There's something real about all these we thought they were free. But they know something. They encounter something. 
they've come into touch with something we don't have. And it says nations will come to them. Kings, we've looked at that the last few weeks, haven't we? Kings will come to you, to the brightness of your rising. Because all of a sudden, and it says, His glory shall be seen upon you. That which is now hidden and blinded by the anointed cherub that covers, who is now using his power, his uh, skill set, shall we call it, to, to blind people. Something's going to happen to just knock him right out of the picture. <coughs> and that veil will be removed. So we need to pray, folks, in this place, in your bedroom, in your prayer closet, in your church, wherever you praise your drive on. Lord, let the veil be removed and let people see. Because there's your harvest right there. You don't even need to, you don't need evangelists. Except to herd them and lead them to this is serious work, folks. Thank you all for coming this morning, all 2,000 of you. <laughs> Amen. Christ, let's believe for that. 2,000 a day. Amen. And you know, Christopher Whitland said, we've been talking about this that morning, and then I put up his prophecy. I said, I said, did I? I said, we'll just, we'll just have to use idols. Amen. And she, and, and she said to me, they won't sell it to you. I said, and he then said, what did he say? What did he say? He said, all these pubs will be desperate to sell their stadiums to churches because nobody's going to go to football. Amen. And you know why they're not going? Not because football's a bad game, not because it's all, you know. And let's, let's all keep supporting God's team, amen? The famous, the famous last group. But, folks, sorry, sorry. The reason that they're not going to football matches is because their idols are falling. Because let's be honest, how many, many people do you know that are football fans, especially Rangers, Celtic, big clubs, and it's, it's not an idol for them. George just said to me before the meeting, getting beat means nothing. Now, if it's not an idol, amen. It's just a hobby, it's an interest, nothing wrong with it. But when it's an idol, and folks, most of them out there, it's idolatry. What are they doing? Raising their hands, praising, worshipping, amen. But when it's Jesus, when the blindness, when the veil is removed, it's no longer, oh, oh yes. Super Ali! I know that's a long time ago, or whatever they support now, yeah? It's All Hail King Jesus! Season ticket. I need a season ticket for the Foundry Boys. I need a season ticket for that meet up. I need a season ticket for the Kingdom of God. Sorry, it has been. Longer than I can.